Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of the podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkingACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can you can follow him at HokieSmash underscore ASD. I'll turn it over to our moderator, Matthew, as we welcome our podcast guest. Thank you, Jeff. Uh... And thanks for the good introduction here. Uh, I just want to make sure I give a reminder for our listeners. Our, our site Twitter account is at AllSportsDACC. Our website is AllSportsDiscussion.com. Again, that's at AllSportsDACC. And our site, our website, where we blog at is AllSportsDiscussion.com. And we thank you for listening to the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States. It's been going for several years now, and one of our – we always have a, a great – kind of a great – I call it a great homecoming, right, because Will was one of our very first guests on this podcast, and we're happy to have him back. We we have Will Ogenen, who has been on this podcast as a guest, as a panelist, and as a co-host, and he's been on our blog – before as a panelist on our blog as well. And so he's just been a huge supporter of allsportsdiscussion.com, and we're happy to have him back. He is a writer and podcaster for at ACC Nation. That's accnation.net. That's that's kind of our brother blog over there on, on, the, on, on, the, on ACC, the, the Grass the grass Roots Atlantic Coast Conference uh, brother blog, I guess you could say, of allsportsdiscussion.com. He's a member of the Football Writers Association of America and the United States Basketball Writers Association of America. There's a lot of ACC and Minnesota sports takes, and we're seeing a very happy Will Ogenen as it pertains to Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I, I guess I call him Frank Sinatra. Luck be a lady. They're, they're, I'd rather be lucky than good, I think. And, that, and we're going to talk about that later here in the show. Will, welcome back, friend. We're happy to have you back on the podcast. Uh, before we get into some specifics about yourself, I do have a basic question for you. Did you know that Mike London was a detective? Uh, drink. Hey, I got a drink handy, so I'll drink to that. <laughs> you knew that was coming. You knew that was coming. I All was right. prepared this time, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's great to be on with you guys again. You know, you know, I've been a big supporter of you guys over the years. Love, love what you guys do, and always happy to help you out. Love, love being on here. All right, man. So let's get right to it. Tell us, get, tell us about yourself and anything that you want to plug at ACC Nation, including people that are working with you at ACC Nation. So yeah, as you said, um, you know, in, in the intro, you know, I'm kind of a kind of a kind of a weird Twitter account because I I'm originally from Virginia. That's where I get the ACC sports. But I've lived in Minnesota for 23 years now. Um, I've been um, went here for college and have stayed uh, ever since. Um, so I, I I've de I've developed my Minnesota sports fandom. You know, living here over the past near quarter century. Um, they say I do. I do some writing. I mostly podcasting. I did start getting back into the writing game last week uh, with a piece up on accnation.net detailing why I think Mike Elko is ACC Coach of the Year. Um, think what he has done with the Duke program is is pretty astounding. Where you consider where it was a year ago, 
Um, yeah, we do a, we do a weekly podcast once at least, maybe sometimes twice a week, especially now that we're we're getting close to basketball season. Um, Jim Jim Quist, who's the other the other guy co- who does the podcast with me, he's based out of Richmond, and obviously me in the in the Twin Cities suburbs. So we have a we make a great team, and you know we do like say podcast. Do we do our weekly picks and. You know, we get guests on from time to time talking, you know, football, basketball, a lot of stuff. And you know, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, if you haven't checked us out, definitely check us out at accnation.net. Very good, sir. Very good. So, who was your most disappointing ACC team of Week 9? And who was the most impressive ACC team of Week 9? The floor is yours. I'm going to start in reverse order. Um the most impressive team to me in the week, I think, was Louisville. And what really what they've done over the last couple of weeks, um, just, you know, from, you know, the news coming out that Scott Satterfield could potentially get fired if they had lost to Virginia. And I think some of that was kind of debunked. But ever since that, they've won three in a row, beat, a, beat Pitt. At, I believe that game was at home and then just manhandling Wake Forest in the way they did on Saturday. Granted, a lot of that was due to eight turnovers, but still, um, what they the way they turned their season around, I think, is uh, shows a lot about Scott Satterfield. With five now, five wins on the season, they they take on James Madison this upcoming week, and you figure they should be favored and and should win that one at home to get the six wins and bowl eligibility and. You know, from where they were after losing to Boston College, which that that loss looks worse every week. It uh, really shows just how much the team has suddenly bought into them. And I think the future is starting to look a little brighter in, in Louisville. As far as uh, disappointment, boy, I think we could put two-thirds of the league into, the, into that category. Jeez, when you look at um, Syracuse losing as handily as they did to the Notre Dame, I'm the aforementioned Wake Forest committing eight turnovers against Louisville. Uh, Pitt just starting to look like a shell of its former self in the loss to North Carolina. Uh, both Miami and Virginia deserve nominations with the way that stinker turned out yesterday. And But I think the answer to me, I'm going to go with Boston College because how do you lose to UConn? And I know UConn's a better team this year. The higher Jim Moore, I've seen he's done a lot of good things for that. But there is no way a team with Phil Dracovic and Zay Flowers on the football field should be losing 13-3 to to UConn. I mean, the the questions are already out there about, about Jeff Halfley and whether or not, you know, his future, his future is going to be long for Boston College. But keep in mind that he did sign a contract extension at the end of last season i think it's through 2026 i don't know i don't know what the buyout figures are i don't think those were ever released so i'm kind of wondering if that's a situation where they're just gonna have to ride it out for a little bit and maybe give them another year but you know that's a that that's a very titanic situation there in chestnut hill all excellent takes all excellent takes jeff you're up all right, thanks, Matthew. Okay, well, what ACC football game are you looking forward to the most in Week Ten? Man, I can't believe it's already Week Ten here. Yeah, the season's going by way too fast, Jeff. It really needs to slow down. <laughs> I mean, I think there are several good games 
on this slate this week. I'm going to save uh, one of them for later. I think probably the most intriguing game to me this week is Wake Forest and NC State. And it's not just because they're two ranked teams. It's how does Wake Forest rebound from whatever that performance was on Saturday? And then NC State may have found their quarterback of the future uh, with the way they play, with the way he played on Saturday night. And, you know, can that carry over into this upcoming week um, in that game against Wake? Um, very, you know, MG Morris is, is the, the freshman's name. He looked, he looked pretty good against that Virginia Tech defense. And I, I think obviously give honorable mention to Florida State, Miami, um, that game being down at, uh, Hard Rock down in Miami, I think, is intriguing. But at the same time, I think even if that stadium was full, it'd probably be three quarters uh, Florida State fans. Um, but I don't. I think Florida State has a real decided advantage in that one, especially when you look at with the way Miami's played the past few weeks. Uh, I don't. I, I could easily see Florida State winning that game. But I would. I, I think Wake Forest and C State is probably the most intriguing of them all. All right, uh, Matthew, you got a follow up here. And I think it's a good point, Will. I mean, I, I I will be interested to see whether State can get the can actually get a win against Wake. And here's why I say that: uh, Wake Forest is basically a fluke field goal away from being five and zero in their last five against NC State. I mentioned this to a couple a couple times to a couple of my State friends, and they, of course they get upset when I say it, but. They're, they play a really, you know, I, I, I think the, I think they should get that the discipline play set, set. But I, I think you bring up a good point. You know, it's hard, it's hard for me to think that Wake could, Wake could lose two games in a row like that. But you know, I never know, I never know what could happen there. But they've, they've had NC State's number the last couple games, and sometimes, sometimes NC State, sometimes NC State will will regress as well. Yeah, and. The thing of it is, is yeah, obviously the big the big thing is now that Morris has played, there's tape on him, so now Wake Forest can go look at at that tape from the second half against against Virginia Tech and see how they can can feed can beat him, and maybe that makes a difference because I I'm pretty sure there was no film on him leading up up to this game, so that that's an intriguing point there, and and I think the the problem is is as much as NC state has a decent amount of talent, their offense, their offense, their scheme just is leaving a lot to be desired. It's really holding back this team to in my opinion. What would you think if, if, if uh, Mr. Canada came back as coach, I was just curious, uh, Will, what would you think about that? <laughs> it'd, it'd be an, I mean, I, I thought when, when they hired Tim Beck, I thought he was going to make a, a major difference and he did for one year, but ever since, geez, it's just been a total regression. I think, I think they really do need a, a an fresh infusion of, of something there. Definitely. Definitely. Jeff. Go yeah. I'm right with you guys too on that NC state wake forest game. I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, it's another ranked on ranked matchup in the ACC this year, which I think this is, this is the most ranked-on-ranked ACC battles that I've seen in like five years at least. And I, I just don't – I don't think there's any way that Sam Hartman is going to have another game 
like you said, Will, you know, a nightmare game that he had against Louisville. He's, it seems to happen to him about once a year, and uh, I don't see that happening back-to-back. But this game got a lot more intriguing, you know, with MJ Morris, the way he played against Virginia Tech. I mean, I know we – sorry, Matthew, I know Virginia Tech's offensively challenged, but, I mean, they have a, a pretty pretty stout defense, and uh, for him to lead that comeback – um, in that game, I mean, the, the season outlook completely changed for NC State, where where you thought, okay, you know, their 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 season's probably cooked, and and now, you know, they look like they have a chance to again be a nine or ten win team, and you know, that, that's just a pivotal pivotal game for for both of them to finish, uh, you know, second in the Atlantic. So mm-hmm. uh, that one's really high on on my list too, and I, I like to see how Syracuse responds against Pittsburgh. You know, so close a couple weeks a week ago against Clemson, and they just kind of ran out of gas against Notre Dame. You know, they they start out with a pick six from from Garrett Schrader, and and then, you know, get back in the game only to throw another interception. You know, late in that third quarter, early in that fourth quarter to kind of ice it for for the Irish. And you just wonder. You know, I think we all spoke that it, the clock was going to strike midnight for Syracuse at some point, you know, had they ran out of, out of gas. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how they respond against Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I just want to backtrack for just a second, Jeff. And I, I think you bring up a really good point about Sam Hartman because he does do this about once a year, you go back a few years ago to the 2020 season, he had that four interception game against Wisconsin in the bowl game, did the same thing in the ACC championship get, game last year he threw four picks i mean yesterday he only threw three picks but still just the amount of turnovers involved that that's i i don't see that repeating itself you're definitely right but you gotta i think you gotta do something to to really get the confidence back in him exactly and i mean to give up eight turnovers you know on this on that flip side and and you talked about him a little bit already was was louisville i mean that they're a different team than they were a month ago i mean at the beginning of the month, they were coming off a disastrous loss to a, a really bad Boston College team that you mentioned, and and now they've you know they beat uh, Virginia, they went on the road and beat Pitt. You didn't really pay so much attention at that point, uh, but then when they just like walloped Wake Forest, you're like, wow, Satterfield goes from the hot seat to, you know, um, you know, even with the brutal finish, maybe being able to win six, seven uh, games here and just just turning around. So credit there. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering right now how much of this is of what Louisville's doing is based off a of turnover luck. When you look at, especially the last two games when they're they're plus ten in the turnover uh, margin, uh, three turn you know plus three against Pitt, plus seven against Wake. I'm just wondering when that regression's going to come. Um, I it, it's going to come at some point. Yeah, yeah, very good point. All right, well. Um... Which ACC team could be on upset alert in week 10 if they are looking ahead to a game on their schedule or otherwise just sleepwalking on the field? Yeah, and I, I intentionally left uh, set this game aside for a moment because I think there is, uh, when you look at where they're coming, there is some upset potential here, and that's the Clemson-Notre Dame game. Uh, this game being played at Notre Dame. Obviously, the Irish coming off a big, big win on the road against Syracuse. You know when they these two teams played in 2020, it was you know during the regular season, it, it was one of the best games of the entire season. I don't think DJ's going to throw for like whatever, however many yards he threw in that game, but 
I, th- I just think this game has a lot of intrigue to it. Um, Clemson is, you know, say eight, no number five in the rankings right now. We'll find out where they are in the, the, the college football playoff rankings on Monday, but this is a team that is, you know, they've been pretty good. They, they, they are probably not the same on the same level of Clemson teams that they were three, four years ago, but they're still really good. Obviously the class of the ACC right now, and, and this is probably their last big test before the ACC championship game. Um, and I think they need, and they need to uh, shed some of those uh, shed this game real quickly. If they want to, if they want to avoid the upset. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great call. Will, because, you know, I, I, I think we've seen flashes from Clemson all year long. I mean, we saw them light up the scoreboard in a shootout with Wake Forest, won the game. Uh, but then you, you saw what the defense does. But you, then you saw the defense in the second half against NC State uh, and against Syracuse play really well. But then DJ has, uh, you know, he turns it over in that game and they have to go with Clay Klublink. If, if Clemson can play a full 60-minute game, they're beating Notre Dame. Because mm-hmm. no, no – you know, when you when you watch Notre Dame, that that that's a flawed team. You know, they're physical. We saw that against Syracuse, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're not a great uh, team through the passing game. Uh, they they lost home to Marshall. They lost to an awful Stanford team at home. But we know they're good enough to beat Clemson, and, and Clemson just hasn't shown that sixty minute consistency um, that those past teams have have shown. They they've been good. And we've seen flashes, but we, we haven't seen the offense and the defense, in particular the defense, you know, has not put together a game that that you've expected given the talent level. And they're starting to get healthy. Earlier in the year, you could say, you know, Brze was out, Xavier Thomas, um, you know, still with the foot injury, and they're starting to get healthy. And they're still not playing at the level you expect them, especially in the in the secondary. Um, I don't think Wes Goodwin um, has been as good as I thought he would be. Um, certainly there was going to be a drop-off after Brett Venables, but I think he's had a very uneven year as defensive coordinator. Um, you know, you're, you're two-thirds through the season now, and it, it's time for the for the defensive play call and to match that talent level. If it does, you know, Clemson goes into to South Bend and wins that game, but it's very dangerous if they, if they put one of those inconsistent games together. They very well could be, you know, in a in a position where they could lose that game, especially, you know, if they're struggling on one or other side of the ball. Um, Matthew, you said you have uh, something to add here. Yes. It's just a little different, a little different game though, because at will, I thought you would, I I actually thought you were going to say this one because that, that was a high, it was a high flying game and a high flying win for Louisville last week. They're playing, they're playing, uh, Let's see. Gosh. And you're so right, Jeff. I mean, I'm looking at it and it's like going to be November 5th last, last week, next week. I I had to, I had to, I had, I had to do a double take to make sure that it wasn't November. I'm like, wow, it's already November. JMU is playing at Louisville next week. James Madison. Mm -hmm. They're legit. I would say they're the second best team in the Commonwealth behind Liberty. (laughs) <laughs> yes, and they're, they're. 
I wouldn't doubt if they were better than I honestly would not doubt if they were better than Liberty, to be frank, because yeah. I think they're playing in a better conference. And they're going and I have my eye on that one. Last week I mentioned on the podcast that I thought Kansas State had an opportunity to to beat to defeat Oklahoma State. And they went in there and I I put this funny tweet in in Jeff's mentions because the quarterback was just like you could tell he was shaking when he was waiting because they were bum rushing him so hard, the Oklahoma State quarterback. And I have a feeling that the Louisville quarterback could feel the same pain. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, I actually wanted to go in, uh, go back a minute to something Jeff said. Um, the thing about the thing of this about Notre Dame is you don't we don't know what to expect of them from one week to next. Yeah, they lost to Marshall and Stanford, but they've also beaten North Carolina and now Syracuse. Is it? Do they just have something on ACC teams that we just don't know about? I mean, it's kind of weird, but. At the same time, the thing about, you mentioned the Clem, thing about Clemson you, with the new coordinators. Yeah, you're they're both offensive and defensive coordinators are basically learning on the job. And sometimes you have to make mistakes to learn. And we're de- definitely going through that right now. And that's kind of where my hesitancy is about the you know them you know in this game because I think Notre Dame can definitely be anybody, especially at home. Uh, I'm with you, Will. What do you think? What do you think about JMU going into what? What do you think about JMU going into uh, going into Louisville? And I'm I'm actually being dead serious about this. I mean, uh, the point spread I have here is has Louisville is about a touchdown favorite. Obviously, they've lost. Uh, JMU's lost a couple in a row. Lost a shootout to Georgia Southern, and then lost at home to Marshall. Um, I they do have some. They obviously have some really good players. Uh, I. I, if they hadn't have just gotten you know lost to Marshall a couple of weeks ago, I'd probably give them more of a chance. But I mean, by no means is it, do I think this is going to be a blowout. I think I could see them winning by a couple of scores, but it's definitely not going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a fourth quarter game. I think Louisville will probably win, but I think that game's going to be going into the fourth quarter, and I mean because they have the kind of speed that can cause a lot of JMU has a kind of speed that can cause a lot of problems for Louisville. No, I believe it. You're up. All right. Well, let's step out of the ACC for a bit here. Which national FBS games are you looking forward to the most in week 10? And we're wide open with this question and then give us your winner of those games. And, and there's some, some monster monster games, uh, you know, outside of the, the ACC has a pretty good uh, schedule, but nationally there's some some really strong games too. Well, first off, Maction's back, baby. Maction is back Tuesday night. Let let's let's start right there. Um, but yeah, obviously the big game of the week is, uh, of course, it's in the SEC. It's it's Tennessee Georgia, um, Saturday afternoon, in in Athens, one versus two right now. Um, Georgia, according to the lines I have in front of me, are, are an eight-point favorite. Uh, I I do lean the Bulldogs there, and it's mostly just because I think you know what is the what is the best side of the football on that field, and I think it's the Georgia defense. Uh, I think I do I do think Tennessee's still going to get theirs, but I just don't see them getting enough stops to to win that game. But if they do, holy crap, we're gonna we're we can talk about. 
Tennessee as a potential national championship contender. A um, couple other honorable honorable mentions. Uh, Friday night, Oregon State, Washington look, looks like a really good game. A couple of teams that are you know at the you know who are pretty good in the Pac-12, both bowl eligible, give you something to do on a Friday night if you're looking if you need something to do. And then also Alabama LSU is a really good game. Uh, also Saturday night, uh, I don't think I don't think LSU is. I think LSU is a little inflated because of conference inf- affiliation. Would not surprise me if Alabama just blows them out. Yeah, there, there's no question that that LSU got the got the SEC conference bump. I mean. Um... I think they are better than, you know, earlier in the year, they're an improved team, but, uh, you know, I, I know what I saw in game one and, and Florida state was better than them for 55 minutes. Um, you know, and, and then LSU, we saw what happened against Tennessee, uh, where they went into Baton Rouge and completely annihilated them. Uh, LSU is not a bad team, but, uh, 15 does, does seem probably five or six spots too high. I would say at least. And, um, you know, Alabama's on a, on a mission, but it's not a vintage Alabama team. Um, I, th- I think they have some issues on the offensive line. Um, I don't think they're that great defensively as, as they've, as they've been. I mean, this is, they were one play from losing from a very bad Texas A&M team one play from losing to, to the Aggies, uh, one play from losing to Texas. And then they, you know, then Tennessee, you know, lit them up on the defensive side. So, you know, I, I think Alabama is good, but I, I don't think they're in the class of, of Georgia, Tennessee. I think the two best teams in the SEC, you know, are, are playing in, in Athens. And, um, you know, that that's going to be a great game too. I, I think Georgia and Tennessee, you know, Hendon Hooker, that offense is kind of drawing comparisons to to the LSU team from 2019, Joe Burrow. I, I don't think it's on that level. Um, and I don't think they're as good as defensively as LSU became that year, which was pretty, pretty decent by the end of the year. Um, so I, I don't think comparisons for, for this Tennessee team and that LSU team are is fair. But um, I think they, they've got a chance to go into Georgia and, and cause some trouble. But um, I think at the, at their best, I, I do think Georgia's probably the best team in the country right now. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that, Jeff. I just feel like they're they're too strong on both sides of the ball. Barack Bowers is one of the most dangerous players in in the country, and he's he's pretty much he's pretty much the Georgia offense. Kind <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, two two fun games there. Um, Will. Will an ACC team, in, in other words, Clemson, will they make the college football playoff? I think there's a real chance of that. Um, when you look at, uh, we don't know what the college football rankings are going to look like, so I'm just going to use the A people. You've got Georgia and Tennessee, one and two. One of them's got to lose. Ohio State plays Michigan. They're they're also above Clemson right now. They're playing last game of the season. One of them's got to lose, right? So, you figure if if Clemson continues to do to take care of business like it should, beat Notre Dame, beat Louisville, you know, go on go on through and beat South Carolina, and then win the ACC championship game, then then there's no reason to believe they they'll they won't be in the playoff. They they absolutely would deserve it. Running going thirteen and zero, um, I I just don't I just don't see how you can leave an undefeated, a potentially undefeated Clemson out. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. Will, um, I, I mean, if they if they if they run the table, just for the reasons that you mentioned, um, that they're going to get in with Ohio State and Michigan uh, playing each other. I mean, you look at their schedules um, in the in the Big Ten, and you know, Michigan in particular was basically gone. You know two and a half months without having to play anyone other than that home game with, with a uh, overrated Penn state team. And, and same with Ohio state, they've basically gone through a couple months of the season, um, not having to really play any ranked teams other than, than Penn state. Uh, they had Notre Dame earlier in the year and, you know, Notre Dame, uh, we've talked about them. They're, they're inconsistent team is in, at best. Um, so I, uh, they would not have the resumes, um, to warrant either of them being a one-loss team making it into the playoffs. And, and even on the SEC side, um, I think there's a chance they could get two, um, not, not the ridiculous notion that they would get three teams in, which is, is completely absurd. Because um, we know about Alabama and some of the struggles they've had. Um, the loser of t- I would probably even put the loser of Tennessee and Georgia in over Alabama in, in all fairness. Um, but, you know, Alabama still has the potential to win the SEC. And unfortunately, um, you know, the loser of, the, of Saturday's game with Tennessee and Georgia is probably going to be the team that that gets left out. Um, the other thing you have to look at is if TCU runs the table, um, they, they don't seem to get talk about, you know, nationally, the media just seems to spend all of their time talking about how Clemson shouldn't be in the playoff chase. And you've got an undefeated TCU team that's kind of that's racking up rank wins as well and it has a spectacular offense. I mean, if they run the table, uh, I, I don't really see how you can leave them out as well. Um, you know, they've gone through the Big 12 s- schedule, um, played a played a, a call, you know, each one of those teams in there, and you know, if if they go unde- undefeated, they certainly deserve to be in there too. And um, I don't think it would make any sense whatsoever if if TCU is not involved. Yeah, and I think the thing that hurts uh, TCU right now is the way they lost to Kansas State on Saturday, getting shut out the way they did. Um, that was supposed to be their their kind of their signature win, and you know, losing forty eight nothing like that is not going to help their resume. Granted, and they they also beat K State, who who did that that thumping. So, but yeah, I they got I think as long as they can. They, I think, sorry, I'm having trouble talking tonight. As long as they continue to take care of business, I think their toughest game probably the rest of the season is at Texas. And they have, I think they have a real chance of of getting it as long as they can can beat Texas. Cause I just, their, their offense has just been so good this year that I just, there, there are very few teams I think can really stop it. All right, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you for the last couple questions in the podcast. Will, what was the chatter like on your fa- on your Facebook timeline about North Dakota Minnesota hockey series in the Twin Cities this month? Yeah. Um, so that was I think pretty much both everyone realized it was a pretty even matchup when you look at two teams ranked top 10ish. Uh, and both games going to overtime, each team taking one. I think it just really shows that, you know, North Dakota is going to be, you know, a team that to reckon with that, that has a real shot at the frozen four, same with Minnesota. Um, just great to see this rivalry back, you know, going on again. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very, I think pretty much everyone realized that it was going to be a pretty, pretty a tough matchup. And, you know, obviously overtime, a splitting two overtime games doesn't really settle much, right? <laughs> I mean, it was a heck of a matchup. It was fun. It was fun. I, I did. I watched the first one and you know, I'm a hardcore North Dakota fan and I watched, I watched, yep. I watched the, you know, I saw the first one and I was like, Minnesota scored right at the end of the third quarter, a third period, excuse me, to bring it into overtime. Cause they, I mean, North Dakota was leading by one goal with three minutes to go in the third and it just broke my heart. And then, and you know, and then when the, once they went to OT, I mean, it's so hard to play at Mariucci because it's such a different rink, right? It's yeah, a, yeah. it's, a, it's an Olympic size rink and it takes a while to get it, ta- it really takes if you're a road opponent and you don't play on a rink like that very often, it takes a day to get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is the thing. If you if you're not used to it, it, it it's definitely an adjustment period. Oh yeah, you know, and so I mean, the, the second night they played much better, but it was fun. It was fun. It, it was fun, and I hope they hope they continue. I hope they continue it. So, open microphone time, Will. I'm going to use my open microphone to ask you a question, Will, because. Okay. I, I'm telling, and, and that's not going to be the Mike London question. Okay, so we've already gone through that. Uh, I, I hear people on my Facebook timeline complaining every single week about the Vikings, complaining, complaining, and and they're six and one. You know, I mean, and they're just and, and, and these are some examples of the comments that I get. Well, they're like, oh my gosh, this offense is disgusting. The defense keeps missing plays. And I responded to this guy and I said, look, you're six and one. And Frank Frank Sinatra is your theme here right now. You're six. I would rather be lucky than really good. And Minnesota's got a lot of, has had a lot of luck in the past couple of weeks. Now, yes, they're leading in takeaways that, that help, that helps. and, And that certainly is part of luck. But I would rather be incredibly lucky than good, and I, I want to get your take on Minnesota on the Minnesota Vikings. Will, yeah, um, you know, very happy to see them sitting at six and one. Uh, obviously, another another big win today over the the Cardinals, one that literally came down once again to the last play of the game because it's all the Vikings play are one score games now. Um, but the thing, but what makes me happy about it is, uh, they're they're far and away like when you look at how bad Green Bay is, they're second place in the North. There's that they they're pretty comfortable right now in, in the North. When you look at what everything going on, they're getting and as we talk, they're getting their butt handed to them by by Buffalo twenty four seven at halftime. So you figure they're going to drop to three and five on the season and, you know, right. You know, at least three games back of the Vikings in the loss column, um, four games in the loss column, excuse me. They have, they have yet to have their buy, but may, like sometimes, you know, luck is luck can go either way. And it's definitely going their way this year. Let's say they, they won five in a row undefeated at home, only outscoring opponents by 29 points this year. And, it's a little bit skewed because of the uh, the Monday night game against the the or is it Monday? I can't remember if it was Monday night or not, but that was the one they got blown up by Philly, which is their only loss of the season. But I think this what this new coaching staff has done. I think they've put a lot more creativity into the offense. Yeah, there were some plays today that you would have never seen under the previous regime. There was a, a play where they faked a pitch to the fullback, 
and then or fake to a handoff to the fullback and then pitch it to Dalvin and he picked up like 20 yards or maybe more than that but you know Kirk Kirk looks better to me in this offense I mean he's you know he's mid 30 so he's you know he's only going to get so much better you, you probably expect him to start regressing at some point because of the age but yeah I I think they're I think I'm pretty excited for for this season. I still don't think they're good they're good enough to beat Philly. We obviously saw that happen already once this year. But I'm, you know, given the current state of Minnesota sports where the Twins have finished another disappointing season, the Wild are very disappointing, the Wolves are kind of off to a slow start. Yeah, I need I need some sort of positivity in my life uh, from the Minnesota sports scene and the Vikings are definitely giving me that. Amen. I mean, you know, because I, I sat talking to my friends. I'm like, no, don't be complaining about this. There's these. You brought up a great point, Will. I mean, these the Vikings are usually on the other end of those games that are decided by one score or less, and they haven't been this year. You know, I mean, yeah, not not, not to say that. I mean, Buffalo is a different level opponent, right? That's a good team with a lot of speed. You know, I expect that to be a hard, 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 hard contest for the Vikings. But, you know, it'll be interesting, too, when they come here because they're going to play the Redskins. I, I'm sorry, the Commanders. My apologies. <laughs> my apologies. I kept saying I'm always going to mess that up. And well, you know what? You know what that game is all about, right? I mean, Taylor Heineke facing his old team, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Kirk Cousins. I can hear all my my timeline. I'll just sit there and complain about Kirk, right? They'll say, where is this at when he was here? You know what I mean? That sort of thing. And yeah. But anyway, I mean, it's, it'll, yeah. you know, good for you, Will. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you're the best Minnesota sports fan I know. Oh, and, and you do but, deserve some. I mean, you do deserve, because I've seen the Vikings so many times come out on the, on the on the opposite side of the coin on those close games. I mean, many, many, many times where, and they haven't this year. And I, and I think there's a good chance that Minnesota could get the second seed. Am I too optimistic? Will? No, when you look at some of the other options out there, um, you'd have to, you're asking a lot out of other teams to suddenly get hot. And I think, Atlanta's first place in the NFC South at four and four. Uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. Minnesota would would whoop them. Um, the only other option, Seattle, and how much do you trust Geno Smith the rest of the year? He hasn't really proven this, uh, proven this over the course of the season. I like their chances, but yeah, again, I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. You mentioned they they still have to play Buffalo at some point or two weeks from now. The Cowboys at home are going to be tough. They take on the Patriots. Obviously, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, other than that, yeah, like they they should beat the the Jets, the Lions, the Colts. They 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 face the Giants at home on Christmas Eve. I think they're a little bit fluky at Green Bay on New Year's Day, and then finishing at Chicago. There's some really really good potential for this team to win, you know, 13 games, go 13 and five or 13 and four. I can't remember 13 and four or 12 and five there. And yeah, that could easily win you the division and maybe even get the second seed. Well, I hope they come in here and win by like five touchdowns because that would probably be the end of the ownership for, for Dan Snyder, because a lot of my friends are, aren't fans of him. And I think, yeah, I think, I think there there are thousands of people who who want Dan Snyder to 
be gone. <laughs> okay, okay. Jeff, you're up, buddy, and then we'll go to Will for the open mic. Yeah, I wonder if uh, if, if you all saw this past week um, the Clemson-Syracuse football game was the highest rated game in college football last week. It had been since, uh, and I don't even know if you could really count it, but since the, the 2020 um, uh, ACC championship game when Notre Dame and Clemson played, that an ACC versus ACC game was the highest rated uh, college football game that week. And, um, you know, it just it just goes to show that people will watch ACC football if the matchups are quality and the games the games are good and you know that brings to another quick point about you know the television contract that we've talked to uh, talked about from time to time you know the Big 12 announced their new uh, TV deal today which you know in, in direct correlation to the, the the ACC I don't think it's it's really that meaningful you'll see a bunch of numbers thrown thrown around but at the end of the day the deals are, are are not that far apart. They're probably almost exactly the same. And I, I won't go into it. People can look up the numbers themselves, but you know, tr- they're not that they're not far apart. You're hearing numbers like eleven million dollars apart that they aren't. Um, that they're really close. But what it what it does bring to mind is something Matthew brought up in the summertime about Jim Phillips and communication. Uh, when other conferences are, are putting out announcements on their TV deals and, and things that they're doing and, and their silence from, from the ACC, from Jim Phillips, um, whether they're working on something or not, uh, silence can be perceived as inactivity. And that's bad for the, for the conference because it's a PR game now. I mean, you have to get out in front of these things. And, you know, I think Jim Phillips has, has really been way too quiet on, on these things because there's no doubt about it. I think everyone agrees, no matter what the big 12 does or the PAC 12 does in the next few weeks, the ACC has to increase revenue. Uh, they're not competing with those two conferences They're trying to, you know, make up some of the difference on the big 12 or the big 10 and the SEC. And, you know, even if there's not something finalized, um, it, he would be really wise to kind of say, Hey, these are the kind of things we're working on and we're optimistic. Um, and not be so vague and, and be silent. Um, I don't think that's good for PR for, for the ACC. And it'd be wise if he would, you know, kind of put out a couple statements here, do and do an interview or something, you know, let people know that they're really working on it and, you know, not going back to just the summertime where he says all options are open, which, you know, that could mean anything. Um, I think it would be in, in Jim Phillips interest to, to start putting out some statements and start putting out things on some of the things they're working on. I do believe they are working on things. I don't think the contract will stay the same. Um, we know that ESPN said they have every incentive of working with the ACC, and and I I definitely think that is what's happening. But it wouldn't hurt if if he would actually, uh, you know, say some of the things they're working on. Yeah, I I I will say I, I think Phillips could be doing a lot better as commissioner than he is. I and. You mentioned a lot of the reasons why he's while we saw the Big Twelve has you know get a new TV deal and we're seeing all these other other conferences, you know you know making more money and the ACC is just kind of sitting there. It feels like they're twiddling their thumbs and we're hearing nothing and that's very concerning to be honest with you. Well, yeah, 
Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think, I think. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think those are really fair statement. Uh, Will I mean? I think they're working on something, but you get the feeling that there's some some thumb twiddling going on because he he just won't communicate um, what's going on. I mean, you know, when, when it first happened in the summer with UCLA and USC moving and, and you know, you don't expect them to say, well, this is what we're going to do two weeks later. Um, it's now five months later, four, four, five months later. And, and still we've, we've barely heard a peep out of them. Yeah. It's not good. Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, Will, Will and Jeff, I mean, and Jeff brought this up. I did write about strategic planning this summer because communication is a big part of strategic planning. And Will, you'll probably appreciate this. Like back in 1985, there was a Virginia Tech doctoral student who wrote about strategic planning in the ACC. And basically his conclusion in his dissertation was that the ACC needed to start using strategic planning tools so that it could chart its future. And, and you know, I, I, I wondered if that would be a good follow-up dissertation for, for somebody because that's not, it doesn't appear to really be happening right now, at least that I can tell from the ACC. I mean, and it would be a good follow-up dissertation for somebody, I think. But that was my, that was my first thought. So, Will, you're up. What is your open microphone? The well, we're a little over a week from basketball season, and we're already uh, getting a taste of what the bottom of the ACC might look like. Uh, on Sunday, we're recording this. Louisville lost their exhibition game to a Division II school, Lenore Rhine, by 10, in which they scored 47 points and shot 29% from the field. Um, you know, a lot of people expected some struggles in Louisville um, and because they, they don't really have great guard play. They don't have a lot of guards on their roster, to be honest with you. Uh, Jalen Withers was the only one who really did anything, 20 points on 5-9 and nine shooting, but um, losing by 10 to a division two school that lost or that was like 10 and 20 or something like that last year, there's got to be a big concern if you're a Louisville fan and probably, I don't think you're going to finish dead last in the league, but you're definitely going to finish bottom three. Um, a couple things, just a couple of quick thoughts on ACC basketball as we're, um, getting into, you know, again, we're a week out from the season. I'm a team I'm very interested to see how they progress this year is Boston College. Remember, they're a team that made a big run in the ACC tournament last season, made it to the quarterfinals, and I took they, they took Miami to overtime. Uh, they obviously have some really good – I like their, their backcourt. Their guard play is really good. Uh, obviously, a little bit of question mark about their their bench depth. They lost a lot of bench depth. Uh, I'm a big I'm a believer in um, Jaden Zachary, their guard, who was who shot over 50 percent from three last year. I think he's somebody that we could see have a breakout season for, uh, from from you know somebody from teams that aren't uh, among the tops of the league. Uh, they I think they have a real shot to maybe flirt with the NIT this season. Yeah, take it, you know, one step at a time here. I mean, they're, I, don't, I don't think they're going all the way from bottom of the league to AC, to NCAA tournament this year, but I think they can, I think what, I think Earl Grant's doing a really good job there. Um, very, I'm very curious, obviously, about Virginia. Uh, obviously, bring a lot back. 
uh, get Ben, ben Vanderplas out of the portal. I think their defense will be really, really good this year, but I'm just really, I, I, I need to, to see the shooting be consistent for me to be a, a full believer. Uh, I, I think that this offense would be best serve if um, one of Beekman and Kihei were on the court at the same time. I don't think they work really well. I don't. I think their often their offense would work better with one of them on the bench. But I. I don't. But Tony Bennett's not going to change that at all. He he's just going to keep rolling them out there. And obviously Duke. You know, there's a lot of quite a lot of a lot of newness to that roster. A lot, you know, obviously John Shire, new head coach, has obviously loaded up this team with a lot of talent. But at the same time, you look at the the coach key, the coach K coaching tree, and it very much is like Bill Belichick in the NFL. A lot of roots, but they don't. But there's not a lot of success from those roots. And this is something you have to be worried about. You know, a few years down the road, if you're Duke, they're they're getting the the talent, but can he, can he develop them and make and continue to make Duke this powerhouse program that they've been for, you know, three decades now. Excellent takes. Excellent takes, Will. So I'm just going to ask your question, ask you, I'll ask you a real quick question about ACC basketball. What do you, how do you think Virginia Tech's going to do this? Year? Um, I officially will re, re uh, will tweet out my, predictions on mon- on Monday morning of of the season but right now I think they're gonna finish I've got them right now at sixth um, behind the UNC Duke Virginia and the two Florida schools uh, I do I, I'm a I'm speaking of players who I think could have a breakout season I think Darius Maddox is someone who I think could be a big time breakout candidate for the Hokies this year uh, I love I love his game. He's probably um, you know one of my favorite players to watch outside of Virginia. I think that that kid has a real nice shooting stroke, and I think he's going to be a big factor for the Hokies this year. It's fun having a six four guard. <laughs> yeah, I love the love those type of guys who are, who can really do everything. They can drive, you know, shoot shoot from pretty much anywhere on the court. Yeah, I think. I think I think he's going to be again a real big factor for the for the Hokies this year. Jeff, I have a follow up question for you on ACC basketball. You ready, Jeff? What you got? Uh, how long is your coach at Clemson going to last? I I don't think he's going to make it um, past this year. Um, I think the ACC is it's going to be better through the regular season than they have been. I mean, um, you know, we saw a really strong performance from the conference uh, in the NCAA tournament, but it wasn't a vintage year and hasn't been the last couple of years in a regular season. And I, I think that's where um, Clemson is going to struggle. Um, the The new AD at, at Clemson's made it clear he wants the men's basketball team to compete at the highest level. And I, I think Brunell is a good coach. Um, he's he's been at Clemson for quite a few years, and you know, a, after I, I think it might even be ten or eleven, if I'm not mistaken, um, it, it, you've been there that long, and you know, you know, you know what you have with him. Um, he he's a, he's a good coach. He, he's not a great recruiter. He doesn't get you know the best talent into Clemson. He he works the transfer market quite a bit. 
Um, I think you put him at a mid-major, and he's, he's going to be outstanding. Um, but I, I don't see him making it uh, beyond this this year. I think Clemson will have one of the three or four uh, bottom bottom teams in the, in the conference. That is, it's very direct and pro- probably very good, probably very good analysis, probably very good analysis. And plus, I think you've got an AD right now, Jeff, who isn't really afraid to make a move. Is- yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think his name is Graham Neff. He, he um, you know, took over when Dan Redikovich went to, to Miami and, you know, I, I, he wants to win. He, he wants to win uh, at men's basketball at, at Clemson. Um, you know, they have other sports that they do very well at, you know, um, that won a soccer national championship. I mean, it's not just a, a football school, but, you know, after football, men's basketball is, is definitely one of the, the, the top sports there. And, um, you know, it, it's going to take a season that we're not expecting, certainly from Brannell, I think, for him to be to be back. Um, they, they have a chance, I think, to be a bubble team, but I'm, I'm not expect I'm not expecting it. I think it's going to be a real tough tough road for them through the ACC this and year. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, your AD took pretty quick action on baseball. Is that correct? Yeah, he he, he made he he made the move uh, in baseball after a, a, a poor season. Um, they ended up getting the uh, coach, I think, out of out of Michigan. So yeah, he he's. He's not gonna. He's not gonna wait around. I mean, I heard with Brennell, they had off-season meetings about what they needed to do um, during the course of the year. So, so, so Brennell's. You know, he he's he's got a lot of expectations this year. But um, like I said, I, I think the ACC it's it's going to be too tough for for what they're bringing back at Clemson. Um, and and you in their best player PJ Hall, who I do think is an all ACC caliber player. I mean he he got injured in the off season, uh, expected back early in the season. But I mean, if he's not a hundred percent healthy, it's going to even add more to the the difficulty they're going to be dealing with. I'm with you, Jeff. I'm with you. Will, thanks so much for coming on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. <clears throat> You're always a great guest, and we would love to have you come back on again on this show anytime you're you're always a great friend of us hey i appreciate it and always glad to do it guys have a great week guys take care all right there you go